I was already exhausted and lonely and tired. And so alcohol just kind of fell right into that. There's also a whole kind of theme around motherhood and drinking that motherhood is hard and the way that we get through this is to drink alcohol. You are just trying to like find this piece of you or this little bit of escape from them. And so alcohol is the perfect solution for that for a very short period of time until it isn't. I'm Lane Cussman, and this is the Mind Body Mother podcast, where we dive into the nitty gritty of all things physical and mental well being for moms, future moms, and all who identify with the motherhood journey. There is no such thing as TMI, taboo topics, or oversharing in these conversations with myself, a mom of two, and my incredible village of wellness experts. If it will help you physically, mentally, and emotionally, we're digging into it in these conversations. So grab that twice reheated coffee or tea, press play, and join me. This is the Mind Body Mother Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to get really curious about our relationship with alcohol and ask some important questions like, how does alcohol play into my motherhood experience, my mental health, my physical health, my sleep? all of the things that maybe I'm working on personally and as a mom. So I'm sitting down with Samantha Perkins, who is the best-selling author of Alive AF, One Anxious Mom's Journey to Becoming Alcohol-Free. Samantha's also a TEDx speaker, and she really helps people to explore their relationship with alcohol. She hosts women's circles. She has a really amazing blog. Samantha really brings us this lens that's super relatable when it comes to motherhood and a lot of the feelings that many of us have experienced, the feeling of isolation, of depression and anxiety, of just feeling like you need something to help you feel the sense of personal identity that you oftentimes can lose when you start your motherhood journey. Before we dive into today's conversation, I just want to take a moment to thank you for being here and part of the Mind Body Mother community. If you have a moment, I would love if you could follow or subscribe, rate and review the podcast. It helps other moms discovered these amazing conversations with incredible guests like Samantha. Something that I considered when reading your book is how you talk about drunks versus regular drinkers or people with alcohol problems versus just everyone else. So can you explain kind of how this belief maybe impacted your choice to live alcohol-free or kind of this belief that you've developed around drunks versus regular drinkers and what that means. Yeah. So as I, you know, got older and, you know, started drinking in college, drinking seemed like a normal thing that everyone did. Um, even though I can remember times when I, I would see people stumbling or like their speech was slurring, I never really put them in the category of like quote unquote alcoholics or what I said in the book with drunks, because that just seemed like regular things. I mean, everyone that I knew was really drinking and partying a lot on the weekends. Um, and then as I kind of grew up and got more into adulthood and even throughout childhood, you know, there were times when there was just like this distinction, this like line in the sand where like we knew that like so-and-so had a drinking problem because they got a DUI, for example, or because they had um, done something like really cringeworthy that the family was now talking about behind their backs kind of thing, you know. Meanwhile, though, everyone else was just kind of like drinking as a regular person. Um, however, you know, I think for me personally, I was what I what I thought I was doing was drinking like a regular person, but I was really having a lot of the side effects 
of, um, you know, poor mood, a lot of increased anxiety. Um, I hadn't gotten in trouble or gotten a DUI, but I was sometimes getting way too drunk and, you know, taking care of my kids. And so I thought until I had reached like that rock bottom or that level of like couldn't function in a normal life drunk that, that my drinking was just going to be fine. I didn't ever consider that maybe I was like headed in that direction <laughs> or that, um, I could just stop drinking at any point in time without having to meet some sort of criteria or consequence. Um, and so I think for me, that's been something I've been talking about for a while. What would you say to someone who's listening to this? Who's like, okay, I'm a regular drinker. Um, but now that I'm listening to this, I'm kind of curious about my relationship with alcohol. Maybe what's a first step to take, or just even something to think about, um, with this curiosity. Yeah, I think for starters, you know, for me, alcohol was beginning to wear on me. It was something I was thinking about a lot. Like, uh, you know, I'd wake up and I'd have like, maybe just a small hangover. Like I try to let people know it wasn't like this massive, like consequence thing that we see like in the movies but you know I woke up I felt I had a headache I felt tired because I didn't get a really good night's sleep my anxiety felt out of control and I was finding that I wasn't really getting any more relief from that until I was drinking again and so then I'm drinking again and then I'm kind of like um, talking to myself back and forth, like, oh, I'm just going to have a, a glass of wine with dinner or, okay, just two now, you know, now I'm rationalizing how many drinks I'm having. And it was just really taking up a lot of time and space. I was thinking about drinking a lot more than what I would like to. It wasn't feeling like a free kind of thing anymore. It wasn't just like a, I'll just have a drink or whatever. I was constantly like thinking about how much I drank the night before or thinking about how, how I was going to try to minimize my drinking for, for tonight. And so it was just really taking up time and space. And that's what I tell people is like the first cue to like, maybe drinking isn't really working for you anymore, that it's taking up a lot of time and space and you're thinking about it a little too much. Do you feel like alcohol can play a role with our mental health or what was that like for you um, with any sort of thoughts coming up or mental health impact? Yeah. So for me, the biggest reason that I came to terms with alcohol no longer being in my life is because of the role that it was having in my anxiety. And at the time, I thought drinking was the cure to anxiety. And I thought that because that's what most of our culture tells us, like drink to relax, you know, like it's going to help you relax. But scientifically, that's just not true. Alcohol um, at first kind of numbs your senses and makes you feel relaxed for like a very short period of time. And then after that, your body de detects this um, kind of this thing in your system that's really not supposed to be there because alcohol has some um, negative side effects. And so your body starts going to work to try to rid it, rid you of this alcohol. And in doing that, it actually increases your cortisol, your adrenaline. These are our stress hormones. And then things kind of spiral from there. And so when I learned the science behind like, okay, alcohol is actually increasing my anxiety. This is science, not like, um, how I was thinking about it. It's not making me relaxed at all. It's actually doing the opposite. Then it was easier for me to notice, um, that after just a few glasses of wine, the next day, my heart was beating faster. I felt just my hands would be clammy. I would have just like mood stuff where I would feel maybe paranoid, or I just was super irritable with the kids. Um, and just in general, I just did not feel, I felt foggy and just not clear. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I mm -hmm. think, I know you've talked about, and I often consider all of the things that we're putting in our bodies and the science behind it and the food and the pharmaceuticals and this and that. And then there's alcohol as this mm -hmm. thing where 
we're not maybe questioning it in the same way. And it's so interesting to kind of go through that process of maybe even just taking the time to consider it in a new light and especially kind of paying attention to these symptoms or these signs that our bodies are telling us and tuning in more intuitively in the way that you did to figure out this pattern. You know, I do talk a lot about um, kind of like trying to live a healthy lifestyle. And before I stopped drinking or before I even considered alcohol, I definitely was like, okay, maybe it's gluten that's making me feel foggy. And so I need to like cut out bread and maybe I need to cut back on sugar. And, you know, I did like all kinds of crazy like diets and cleanses (laughs) that I thought were going to like heal me from this anxiety, taking all these special kinds of supplements. Meanwhile, you know, drinking alcohol and again, not knowing anything about the science behind it. And I still think that that's something that we don't um, address as a culture at all. You know, it's just not something that we widely talk about in our you know, list of of things that we shame in terms of being bad for us, you know? Um, So I think it's great that you mentioned that. So I'm curious about if there was any medical professionals or anyone who guided you on this journey. Was this something that you feel like you were doing alone? Was there ever a moment where there was someone who was like, hey, drinking's a problem. Try this. Um, What did that look like? you know, I thought that I'm the only person in the whole wide world who feels like this. So I'm not, I didn't consider myself an alcoholic. I wouldn't have clinically met the standards of alcoholism, you know, if a doctor had assessed me. However, I I was having, alcohol was having a horrible major impact on my life. Um, but I didn't know where to go. I had never known anyone who had just quit drinking without hitting like a certain rock bottom. I didn't think that I was appropriate for AA, which is our widely known um, recovery program. Um, and there wasn't just a lot out there at the time I wasn't on social media. So I didn't know of other people who had gone before me. So I took to books, which is what I have done in most of my, um, kind of quests and search. And so I started reading some books and the books led me, um, to coming up with some conclusions that then led me to a community. And, um, and so one of the books was called this naked mind. It's written by someone called Annie Grace, and she really breaks, taught me the science behind what alcohol does for our body aside from addiction, because we're always talking about alcohol you know, like what alcohol does to us when we're addicted. Everybody can tell you a story of someone that they know who's become addicted and something bad happened. But Annie Grace's book really breaks down um, what alcohol does to our systems when we are not addicted, just how it affects our bodies. And that to me was just a huge aha moment. So she really helped me. She also has a podcast. So I started listening to her. And then that led me to a lot of other sober and alcohol women who were living alcohol free, who kind of had the same situation as I did. They hadn't reached this rock bottom. They, um, you know, they knew it was having an impact, didn't know where to go. And they're now I know just thousands of women who have, have been down this path. And so it's, it's, there are resources out there for sure. Did you have anything that you would say was your relative rock bottom, or maybe it wasn't a rock bottom moment, but just a phase where you knew you had a moment where you just knew that you had to quit drinking. Parenthood really, um, was the start of some rocky times for me. I had some pretty severe postpartum depression with my son. Um, and I I had my kids two years apart. So I really hadn't quite recovered from having my first child before my second child came along. I quit my job. I became a stay-at-home mom. And so I just started kind of, I was disconnected from my community. 
I was already exhausted and lonely and tired. And so alcohol just kind of fell right into that. Um, there's also, um, which I'm sure you've noticed a whole kind of theme around motherhood and drinking that, you know, like the motherhood is hard and the way that we get through this is to drink alcohol. Um, you know, you walk into target you see the shirts that say, you know, they wine, I wine kind of thing. And so I'm like, oh yeah, perfect. I've got the solution here to this, you know, stress that I was under with becoming a new mom, trying to figure things out, trying to do the right thing. Um, and alcohol just really started to take the edge off. And I noticed, you know, this is when I stopped, you know, partying on the weekends, like I was in college to like just drinking every night because, you know, what else was I going to do? We didn't go out to eat anymore. We rarely gathered with friends because you couldn't take two babies out. We didn't have childcare. So suddenly I'm just like at home drinking. And then that's when I noticed that my, I never really, I, I did get some, um, I, I got a little bit better from the postpartum depression, but things never really lightened. Um, and it had been a few years and I was just continuing to, my mental health and anxiety was just getting worse and worse and not better. Yeah. I feel like that's something I can definitely relate to and seeing drinking so tied into the motherhood culture. Like it's so ingrained in yeah when you walk into target like you said seeing these towels or like now on social media these reels about motherhood and drinking and i'll admit like i'm scrolling and i'm they're cracking me up like some of them they're hilarious and then i'm like wait a second though i mean do i really want to you know do i feel like i need to grab a glass of wine to do this parenting thing is that helping me i also had postpartum depression after my first and so hearing your story, there was a lot I could relate to with that, um, with my experience with my first and just also, you know, going through COVID at the same time and how that's isolating, having a kid's already isolating. And I know a lot of people started drinking more during COVID too. And it makes me think about how maybe there's a part of us with motherhood where we feel like that can be part of our ourselves, something special just for us or like our identity or something we don't want to let go of that. Oh, it feels cool to be able to like go parent and have this glass of wine or go to this brewery. It feels so freeing. But then at the end of the day, when we're already dealing with this mental load of parenting and motherhood, I mean, it can be such a, a bad combination. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I, and I think you can probably relate or many moms can, I didn't really have any hobby, you know, like once the kids came around, I didn't have time to like create or be creative or, you know, get out my scrapbooking or whatever it is that people do for hobbies. You don't really have a lot of time for that. And so you are just trying to like find this piece of you or this little bit of escape from them. And so alcohol is the perfect solution for that for a very short period of time until it isn't, you know? Um, and so I think it's just, it's a bit of that creative outlet and looking for yourself and trying to hang on to who you used to be. And so it can, and, and again, reinforced by society saying like, yeah, that's what we do. Let's drink. You know, like the other thing I find is that, you know, parenting, um, moms have so many different ways of doing it. Um, and that those can sometimes become complicated, you know, if you're hanging out with your friends and they're not parenting the same way that you are, but it seems like drinking is the one thing that can be common ground with, with mom friends. And so there's just so many things that lend itself to making alcohol seem really worthwhile when, as a, as a mother. Yeah, that's a great point. If someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I, 
wake up and I feel like shit after I drink. I mean, I do. I, I know that that's been part of my motivation. Like as an adult, I'm like, I, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't drink and wake up and feel good. It just doesn't happen for me. So what are practical tips and tricks for cutting out alcohol? Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's hard and complicated. And one of the reasons it is so complicated is because it's not like other drugs where if you came around your family and you were like, Hey guys, I'm just going to cut cocaine out. You know, everyone would be like, thank goodness. You know, that's not good for you. Whereas alcohol is not like that. It's hard to cut this out because people, it has such a stigma around it and people want to know, well, why was there a problem? What's happening? And so the first thing is, is to just, I tell people one, just shut out the world for a little while, maybe do some journaling and just ask yourself, what is your relationship with alcohol? And you are most definitely are allowed 1000% to do this without judgment, without, you don't have to come to the conclusion that you're going to have to stop drinking. If you explore your relationship with alcohol, I think so much of it is around fear. Like if I address this with myself, then I'm going to discover there's a problem. And then I'll have to give up the one thing that I love doing or my one coping skill. And so I always just tell people to start slow and just be curious when you are drinking, ask yourself, do I really like this? Is this something I wanted? Or was this something that was just offered to me? And I took it because it's just what I do. Like I tell people to, when you walk into social situations or when you get into happy hour times, ask yourself, why are you drinking? Is it because this is something that you really want to taste in your mouth, like, and have um, the sensory experience, or is it just what you always do? Um, so the first thing is just like doing some journaling and really just capturing your drinking habits, you know, what are they and why, and really not changing a thing while you're, you know, doing that exploration, just asking yourself some questions. Um, you know, because we love in this culture to have like this black and white, like 30 days, cut this out, and then you're going to be healed from everything. And I, I think that's great in some ways, but I think long-term, if you really want to change your relationship with alcohol, you need to understand it to begin with. So getting kind of to the bottom of what your relationship is like, and then cutting out the noise. One of the biggest things I do is tell people to notice, like when you walk into Target, notice, like, what's the first thing you see? It's like the wine stack suddenly is there. I mean, they didn't even sell alcohol a few years ago. And now when you walk in, the wine is one of the first things that you see. So notice how you're being influenced to drink. Um, and your social media feed, is it filled with drinking moms, you know, are the people that you surround yourself with always drinking again, just notice these things to start with and then see where and how you might be able to make a change where you're just asking yourself, do I want to drink right now? Or is this just habit? And if it's just habit, maybe try something different, go for a walk have um, a cup of hot tea, replace it with something different that's just as desirable. You know, something that actually, if you're doing it because you want to reduce stress, replace it with something that actually reduces stress, like a walk is proven to, to significantly reduce stress, you know, um, or watch a funny show or check out in a different way. Um, so to start like incorporating small ways to replace, um, you know, your, your regular habit. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you shared about kind of observing what, how we're feeling when we drink alcohol or when we go somewhere and then also like our surroundings, the people we're with. And it reminds me of this mindful experience that I often encourage people to do with food and mindful eating or like mindful living and all these other places that we hear about practicing mindfulness. And I think we can almost extend that to this whole alcohol experience that you're advocating is just have this mindful experience of observing this role alcohol plays, where we see it, how we're being influenced, and just 
let that be part of the process. What did people say to you? Like when you first started not drinking, what, what did people say to you? Like, what did your husband say? What did your friends say? I think for me, like, that's one thing I get, I don't want to say like nervous about, cause I don't truly care what people think, but I just like, it's like a social awkwardness almost for me that I'm like, ugh, like I want to just avoid when I do order a mocktail or something. I'm like, ugh, are they going to like think I'm pregnant or like, and then I have mm. to explain that or like, are they, I don't know. It's just, I'm just curious, like how people responded to you when you were like, no, thanks. I'm not drinking right now. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And I think that that fear holds a lot of people back. And I work with a lot of women who have had that same experience. They're like, I know that I want to quit. So I've done the mindfulness part. I've explored. I know that drinking isn't working for me anymore, but how I've just, I can't tell my best friend and my husband, you know, cause that's what we do together. Um, and for me, it was a super scary experience. And so I almost treated it at first as though I had the flu. Like I was like, I'm, I'm cutting myself out. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do any social obligations for a week, two weeks until I can get my head wrapped around this a little bit. Um, you know, because I wasn't ready to both, I couldn't not drink and then have to wait, carry the burden of what other people were thinking, which unfortunately was a concern that I had. Um, so I just kind of like treated it a little bit at first, like an illness, like, I'm just going to tell people I don't feel good. I'm not coming out. Um, and then when I started coming around, I, I did just say, I'm just going to, I was really anxious about it. And I probably said a lot of the wrong things at first. Um, but I was like, I'm just not drinking right now. I'm just trying this not drinking thing for a little bit. And that is the truth. I didn't know that I wasn't going to not drink forever at first, you know? And so I just tried to keep it really simple. Um, honestly, people are really thinking more about themselves than they're thinking about you. And I noticed like when I would tell people, even now, when I tell people I don't drink, people are always reflecting back to me. Well, I only drink on Thursdays or, you know, I only have a glass of wine at the at important events. And I'm like, okay, you know, because I think that they really are just thinking about their own experience. And so I would just keep it simple. You know, I know a lot of women who just are like, I'm taking a medication or I have a meeting tomorrow that I want to work toward. I mean, it's okay in the beginning to make up excuses until you have kind of like a really good understanding for yourself. Because if you don't understand for yourself and you're trying to work through something, it's hard to just come up with an excuse to other people too. So, you know, I, I do think it's okay to just say as limited as possible um, and to just be set, set a good boundary around that. That makes sense. Do you feel like it affected your relationships with some of these people, like with your husband or with your friends? Like, was there for better or for worse, like a shift or a change in these relationships or any sort of growth period or difference? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, my husband at the time, you know, he, I was told this story a lot, but you know, at first he was like, Oh, like you're going to not drink for 30 days. Cause I was like, I'm going to try not drinking for 30 days. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, and we had like some vacations coming up and things. And he's like, there's no way. Um, so I wouldn't say that he was like super supportive in the beginning, but I kind of knew that I had re really reached a point where like, I knew I had to go at this alone, you know? And so I just really didn't, I was just like, whatever. Um, I, I kind of disconnected a little bit from that judgment, um, with my friends. I think that they knew that my mental health was kind of spiraling. And so they were mostly supportive, but in the long run, you know, it's different for everybody. And for me specifically, I talk, not only do I not drink, but I speak openly about why and talk about it a lot. So I'm not the most fun person to have at the party when everyone's drinking. You know, They're always worried that I'm going to be judging them. 
Um, and so, you know, I did notice that I didn't get as many invites to, to parties or things that were solely um, um, based on drinking. However, my friendships you know, kind of took on a new role. Like my very best friend, you know, she and I meet for coffee or we go on walks and our, I feel like our conversations are just so much more in tune with each other. And our friendship is just flourished because first of all, I can remember everything that we're talking about. I'm not drunk, you know, when we have these times together. Um, I mean, and we've even, you know, we'll go on a little mini girls trip together and she'll drink and I don't, and it's okay. Like we've, we've gotten past it, but it is like a little, it takes some navigation at first for sure. Um, and it's just like with anything that we do, you know, change, like you said, for better or for worse is going, you know, is going to bring some discomfort. What about your relationship with yourself? Did it affect anything? Like maybe your self-talk or your self-beliefs or self-worth, you know, from before into after stopping drinking? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I, not everyone feels as proud as I do about having a drinking past, you know, but I tell people all the time, like my favorite thing about myself is that I don't drink because alcohol is such a huge part of my life. Um, and the fact that I can like live these days and not drink, it, it makes me kind of feel like a badass, you know, I'm always like, I can't believe that in all the things that I've had to deal with, like I didn't have to numb out, you know, I was able to, um, do it. Although, you know, I have, I still have really bad days. I still have, you know, really poor mental health at times, but I'm able to overcome it without using substance to kind of check me out of that experience. And at the end of the day, it always just makes me feel so much better about myself. My confidence is just so much better. Like I can't tell you the times that I've spent waking up the next day, wondering what I said, or did I do something embarrassing? Or was I really just out of integrity of who I am and not ever experiencing that again is just to me, like just so freeing. I feel so, um, just unburdened living a life without alcohol. It's just one less thing that I have to deal with in all of the daily stressors that we have and, you know, good times and bad. Um, it's just one less thing that I have to worry about. And for that has been just an amazing confidence boost. Yeah. I mean, that is badass. <laughs> it's empowering. And also like, I know you wrote something in your book about that really resonated with me is like this idea that we need alcohol, like that we as moms need a mind altering substance to be able to do the hard work of parenting. Like it's really freaking hard. And, you know, to be able to need something to get through it versus being like, I can do like, I've got this. I can do this. I don't need this glass of wine. Like I don't need X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, I can I can do this and I got this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely how I feel. I was, my son just started middle school. And so we're going through like a whole other, I'm in kind of like my next phase of parenting. And I really was just the other night, like we had this really deep conversation. Of course, it was like a bedtime when he's supposed to be asleep. And, you know, he's telling me these things. And I was just so thankful that like, I'm fully present, you know, even though I'm like, come on now, it's the time I'm, I'm exhausted and night isn't my, you know, finest time. Um, but I was just so glad that I'm not, that I wasn't, you know, three or four, three, two, three, four glasses of wine in, and that I could just listen to him and be here and remember the next day and then be able to follow up on it. And I just have so much gratitude for, for that. Yeah. That's amazing. And I feel like that's always when like our kids have the most to say, it's like bedtime yeah. and then you don't want to leave because 
especially if you're just like cuddling with them and like you're having this moment, but then you're also like, okay, it's bedtime. But that's when like all the really good conversations happen. It seems like with my four-year-old too. And I'm just like, all right, I got to stop and appreciate this moment for a second. Yeah. There's this juxtaposition of like, let's move on with our night. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Is is there ever times maybe where it is harder to not drink or are you kind of just at a point now where it's second nature and you don't think about it? I rarely ever think about it. Um, I I tell people, I kind of equate it to like that ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, that, you know, at first it feels really hard and you're always thinking about them and you wish that you could just make one more phone call or just talk to them one more time. Um, but over time, you know, your life moves on and that person just becomes less and less important until you pretty much forget about them altogether. You find someone else, you start a family, whatever. Um, and that's exactly, exactly how it's been with alcohol. I just, um, I never, you know, I, I definitely feel like there are days that are so hard and I just want to crawl in bed and pull the blankets up over my head and go to bed, you know, but a drink is just not something that I'm ever, um, I'm not, um, seduced by alcohol at all anymore. If someone's listening to this right now and they're just struggling, what would you encourage people to do? Or like, what are some things that have helped you or helped some of the women that you've worked with? Yeah, I think that one of my biggest messages um, is that, you know, I always tell people that parenting is hard and it's not because you're doing it wrong. It's because it's just really hard. And, you know, I think with social media, there are some great things. Like I find both that I can feel really guilty as a mom because I see these moms doing awesome things and I'm just not there. But then I can also find moms who are talking about the the real things that are happening with parenting. And so I can equate to them. Um, so I think that, you know, parenting is just really, really hard. And I think that culturally we have this idea that like, you're supposed to be happy all the time and it's supposed to be, you know, just this, the most wonderful time of your life. And Um, It is, and it also isn't. And so I just want to remind people that if it feels hard, that's okay. Um, I really work um, closely with like, you know, mom groups and parenting groups that can really help support some of the things that you're struggling with, where you can like go there and take some specific mom things that maybe your partner wouldn't understand, or even like your own family members who are more disconnected from those younger years of parenting um, to just try to get the support that you need from some kind of support group, whether that be in person or something online, or even from other books, you know, that can just help you feel supported. Because I think the problem for me with my mental health was when I both felt like I was doing it wrong and that I was alone. Um, That's when things really started going downhill because I just didn't think that anyone would understand. And now I, I, like I'm in a healthy place and I can look back and think how silly that was that I thought that I was the only parent who really struggled with these kinds of things. Um, but when you're in it, you don't see that. So I just reaching out and asking for help and getting support from other moms who understand listening to podcasts like these, you know, just to hear other moms perspectives, I think can be really helpful. Um, and there's just so much you can do from your phone now for your mental health, listening to a parenting meditation or, um, you know, finding a quick five minute, you know, relaxation video, just anything to take those small moments when you can to kind of support yourself and to just give yourself a lot of grace. That's so good to hear. Even <laughs> just now, like to hear, like talking to another not mom, hear another mom be like, it is hard because it's actually hard. Mm-hmm. It's not because you're doing anything wrong. It is, it's just hard. And, you know, to hear other moms say that 
whether they're at the same stage as you or different stages is there's some comfort in that and some community just in hearing that. So I think that's really important. Okay. You are in a great place uh, with mental health. It's really inspiring. What is something that's a non-negotiable to you, whether it's like something to your physical health or your mental health, or maybe a little bit of both doesn't have to be something that you do perfectly every single day. It could be something you're working on, but what's your non-negotiable right now? So, you know, I have a few, um, drinking is definitely number one, don't drink. Um, the other thing is I do try to prioritize sleep. Um, this is like a a big thing for me because I, I know that when I'm not at least somewhat rested, my mental health will spiral. So that, you know, with, I have had sick kids and I know people who have kids, you know, they're in your bed or they're waking you up and you don't have a lot of control over your sleep. But sometimes I do say no to things that I really want to do. That would be fun if it's going to impact getting a decent night's sleep. So I try to control a little bit of that. Um, and then I do do just some quick meditation, um, and exercise almost every day, even if it's just three minutes of meditation and 12 minutes of exercise, just some kind of moving my body. Um, I notice when I don't move my body, just all of this stuff starts to creep back up. And if I go for days without moving my body, it can get really bad. So I just have to kind of push myself to do a little bit every day. And then it doesn't feel so overwhelming. I feel that with the sleep. Sleep is so important. And it's like, we do have control over so little as moms sometimes with our children. And especially when it comes to sleep, like, I think that's a struggle that so many people deal with. Mm -hmm. So the things we can control, whether it's like cutting out alcohol, if that's not helping you sleep, or it's like doing some movement before bed Mm -hmm. or meditation, or like some of those little micro moments that you mentioned where it doesn't have to be a whole long thing. It's just like a little bit each day and figuring out what we do have control over that can help us with something like sleep is so important. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. And I just love really everything that you shared today and so much wisdom there, so much that can help us, I think, at all different stages of motherhood. And even for people who aren't moms and can relate to this with kind of exploring drinking, just a really valuable conversation. So thank you again so much for for being here and for just being really open and candid about all of this. I know it's not necessarily easy for a lot of people to talk about, but to hear the way that you can be so open about this, it's it's really inspiring and empowering. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've, I'm so happy that you asked me to be on. I love talking to you. I love all of your work. And yeah, I just, I really want to kind of be that friend that maybe someone doesn't have in their life that they're like, well, here's what she did, you know, to try to offer support. Um, we're really just the person that I wish that I had heard, heard from or heard about when I was kind of going through this. So, um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to just speak openly about it. If you enjoyed today's conversation and are interested in learning more about Samantha's story and diving deeper into this topic, I'd encourage you to read her book, Alive AF, One Anxious Mom's Journey to Becoming Alcohol-Free. It is a quick read. I've read it both times in just a couple days. Most recently, I read it, I think, over two days during nap time and then after bedtime before I went to bed. And it's a really relatable way to question your relationship with alcohol. I'd also encourage you to visit her website. That is spaliveaf.com. You can also follow her over on Instagram. She is at 
Samantha Perkins underscore Alive AF. She also hosts Women's Circles, which you can read more about and find details on her website. Thank you for being here and part of the Mind Body Mother community. If you have a moment, I would love if you could follow or subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps other moms discover these amazing conversations with incredible guests like Samantha. Samantha. 